Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. I uh, was out at a hockey practice, Jim Fleming's hockey practice tonight, Ian. Right, not mm-hmm. Ian, but uh, with my friend Ian. So he uh, is 57 years old, and he's never played organized hockey. Wow. He hasn't played shinny in a long time, even 15 years. He's never worn equipment before, but he came up for his first practice tonight awesome. and he, he with the intent of getting into hockey and joining a team. So 57 years old and a hockey beginner. So good good for you, Ian Lacker. Yeah. Way to go. Is he going to join the River City Pigeons? No, I don't. I don't know. We'll have to see about that. We'll have to see. He's going to join, learn to play and then form a team out of that, I right. think is the plan right now. So. Right so next we're going to get you out there, Bruce. That's the plan. We need a goalie. Uh-huh. We're still going to need a goalie. (laughs) Alrighty. So we both uh, watched the Bakersfield Condors game. They lost three to nothing to the Ontario Reign. It was a rather uninspiring game. Uh, I've been watching them on and off. This, I think, was your first viewing maybe of the year. Yes. Is that correct? So I probably watched 10 games this year. So I have a little bit more to say overall. And you're going to be basing your your takes on the, the game tonight more. So we're going to go, uh, it's it's uh, two good things each, two bad things each about the Bakersfield Condors. And um, I'm going to be talking more in general terms, and you're going to be talking more specifically about tonight's game. So Bruce, let's start with your first good thing. What's your, what do you like? Okay, well, I'm going to actually start with something general, which is Coach Jay Woodcroft, uh, who is somebody that I have been following uh, throughout the year as he does his weekly interviews on uh, Oilers Now. And I've been following him for two years since he himself got sent down to the minors after uh, 13 years in the NHL. And I recall making the case for him at the time when everyone was saying, fire all the assistant coaches. And they were, some people were pissed off that he even still had a job and they thought that Oilers were doing him a solid. But... They were actually making a solid decision for themselves because I think Jay Woodcroft has really thrived in that position. And I uh, really like the uh, uh, just the constant theme of positivity that comes from him uh, and how he builds up his young players. Compliment, 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 compliment. Well, he really could be doing this better, but, you know, he's working on this aspect of his game because he knows this is what he has to do to get to the next level. And his, just his whole sort of soft soap um, routine uh, and buttressed by some pretty sound hockey knowledge, as you can imagine, from 13 years in the NHL. But I think the Oilers found themselves a diamond in the rough there, and they have uh, uh, they have a good man, uh, unfortunately, coaching a less good team this year than it was last year. But I don't know how much of that is on the coach and how much of it's just on the change of circumstances down there in Bakersfield after... After all, losing guys like Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones to the NHL. Patrick Russell. Yeah. And Shane Starrett, their goalie, and we'll, we'll get into this. Yes. You know, And I would add to the good coaching, Bruce. So I like Woodcroft. He strikes me, every time I listen to him, he strikes me as a teacher, coach. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Someone, someone who uh, is new school and that, that he's trying to teach skills, various skills, thinking the game. Um he uh, that seems to be a strength and in terms of development Bruce I'd say we've seen um, really really strong the most exceptional development on the team comes from their defensemen so I think Dave Madsen also deserves um, some praise um, last year K 
Caleb Jones and Ethan Bear both stepped up significantly as hockey players. And this year, uh, the improvement I've seen in Evan Bouchard's game from the beginning of the year to now has been, it's kind of kind of remarkable. I'm really bullish on Evan Bouchard as a prospect right now. And um, we're going to get into that. So I would also say Dave Manson is a, is a good thing. Um, the defense whisperer, right, Dave Manson? Well, he can only, <laughs> yeah, he can only whisper. That's kind of a backhanded compliment, perhaps. Or uh, a clever remember compliment. Remember when Sergio Momesso punched him in the throat, and that was what happened to Dave Manson's and he, vocal cords. His son is a fantastic NHL defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave, Dave probably had a hand in that as well. Obviously, he had a big hand, but it, like in terms of coaching him as well. Um, so, um, okay, my good thing will be Tyler Benson. And um, there's, I, I see different opinions about Benson. You know, some people say, you know, he's not much of an even strength scorer this year. Uh, the speed isn't great. And then other people are really uh, happy about his, I think what... what Probably his physical play, his board play, uh, his ability to dig pucks out, and his and his vision on the ice, his ability to make passes, and so I can see both sides. Like he's not, you know, he's Kyler Yamamoto is a much quicker player, and that's why I think Yamamoto has been promoted quicker to the faster to the NHL as well. He just does everything faster than Benson does. Nonetheless, I do see an NHL. I still see an NHL player in Benson. He's having a similar year to the one he had last year. And I do focus on the things that he's good at. He really is good at winning pucks on the boards. Um, yeah. He's a fairly sound defensive player. And he's got, a, a, you know, not elite NHL skill, but he's got a high-level NHL passing ability. When he gets the puck, he makes a good pass with it. And um, you could, I can see him fitting in. Uh, he can fit on a third line as a checker because he's a smart hockey player, knows how to check. And um, that, that may be what he's going to be in the end is a, is a really useful third line hockey player, but there's a chance he can play higher than that. If he can find a way, there's no shortage of top Oilers who really can fly. Obviously Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl leading the way, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and, and uh, Yamamoto. So he can fit in as a kind of a glue player on one of those lines, checking really hard, making (coughs) darn sure that he's always in good defensive position and then just getting them the puck on the fly because he can do that. He can pass the puck well. So I'm I'm encouraged by him. What did you think of him tonight, Bruce? Um, much of what you just said. Good along the walls, won some battles, played physical. In fact, he took a couple of runs at guys where maybe he could have maybe played the percentages a little bit differently. I think the the three nothing goal, mind you, the game was over by then. Uh, he took a big run at a guy, and it wound up leaving two other guys wide open uh, for the finish. But uh, he, uh, he he wasn't backing down, which I think is a good thing overall. And this was a very rugged game. Like there was a lot more hard hits in this game than almost any NHL game I've seen this year. Yeah, they were really going at it, and uh, he didn't back down from that part. And uh, his uh, his passing skills, just a couple of real subtle ones, just a soft pass into the lane of a guy that was skating onto the puck with room to do something with it. And, and uh, that's sort of the offensive moxie. I've commented on Sam Gagne making passes like that a couple times this year. And and it's it looks easy when they do it right, but it's not easy. And uh, 
it's a gift to be able to make that kind of pass. And and uh, Benson, every time I see him, he surprises me with one or two, like just how did he see that lane? And boom, it's in there and on the stick of somebody. Sam Gagne isn't a bad comp for Tyler Benson. Mm-hmm. Um, similar players in a lot of ways. Hopefully Benson will be a better defensive player than Sam Gagne has ever been. And and if and a slightly more rugged player. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine Sam Gagne's kind of offensive game, which I think is pretty good. I always like yeah, what he does with the yeah. puck. Yeah, nothing wrong there. He's an NHL player. And if and if Gagne had been throughout his career a stronger defensive player and a slightly and a more physical player like Benson is, um, that's kind of what I'm hoping to see out of Tyler Benson. So that's probably a third line, very useful third line hockey player for the Edmonton Oilers, possibly higher in the lineup if if he can get a little faster. I think he'd need to get faster, and we've seen that. We've seen players get faster. Ethan happened with Ethan Bear. So um, we'll see. Bruce, what is your second good thing? I will speak to Evan Bouchard, who you already touched on. Uh, and he was a player, he literally grabbed my eye five seconds into the first period when he went behind his own net to pick up the first shoot in. Uh, came out on his backhand side and immediately whipped a pass from. Uh, a little bit in front of his own net, all the way to the blue line, right onto the tape of Josh Curry, who was breaking out of the zone in good position. I thought, that's a pretty nice stretch pass. Very nice for a backhand play right at the, you know, first touch of the game kind of thing. And he continued to grab my attention with his ability to turn defense into offense. He'd start from his own zone, but he is not shy about jumping and jumping regularly usually right up the center channel of the ice. Like, he's not on the boards on one side. He goes up the middle with or without the puck. And when he's got the puck, he seemed to be to be equal threats to keep it and shoot from the center or to dish it off to either wing and, and quite uh, comfortably. Like, there was one play where he almost looked like a college football quarterback running an option play where he was isolated on one guy. And if that guy shaded towards him, he'd suck him in and feed it to the winger. And if that guy's shaded towards the winger he would have kept it himself and in this case the guy decided to attack the puck carrier and Bouchard waited the the exquisite millisecond to release the pass to hit the guy on the blue line to walk into the uh, into the zone and in, in full possession so he keeps his options open like his offensive awareness is off the charts good to my eye like he really yeah. knows where the options are and he never strikes you as being a great skater, but you never see people overtake the guy. Like, he sees the lane, and he charges up it, and he doesn't, you know, once he starts to skate, he skates. And, and uh, he is uh, he, he, not even necessarily the fourth man on the rush, but he, he can play that role as well. So uh, <clears throat> the trick is, if you're going to turn defense into offense, is to get better and better at the defense part, where you get the puck, and you're able to make the exit but uh some of it was just good outlet passes one was a play where he won the puck along the head boards and he made one of those dave tippett passes right to his own uh winger right in his own defensive slot the place where you're told never to pass the puck but that's where the open guy was and that's where the puck went it was a perfect pass and uh they walked it out from there so i i, I really like his vision and his, his his offensive awareness. He's he's uh, he has a gift in that department, to my eye. 
tonight I was really imagining him and seeing him playing with McDavid or Dreisaitl on one of those with in partnership with one of those joining the play and just being pretty devastating for the other team. Cause listen, right now they put the puck back to the point and, and often, you know, if you put it back to Ethan bear, something's probably good going to happen. Oscar Clefbaum, maybe, mm-hmm. but, but Darnell nurse is a pretty unimaginative offensive player in the, in the offensive zone, at least when he's playing that kind of, you know, just the ozone game and Adam Larson's the same. Russell's the same. Like they don't really create a lot, but Evan Bouchard does. And when he starts making plays with McDavid and dry subtle in that offensive end, that's going to be fireworks, Bruce. It, it really is. And, uh, I, and I'm and for Craig button to leave Evan Bouchard off that top 50 list. I'm not buying it. Mm-hmm. I do not. He like, I saw him, we've seen him now, um, we saw him in his last year, uh, you know, I watched a few of his games and we saw it, we saw him. He's, he's a markedly better player than he was when he was drafted. Right. He's, he's, he's really strong now at the AHL level. I don't see how he's not an Edmonton order next year. I don't see it. You got to make room for this guy. Like he's, he's going to help you win games with his scoring and his defense is Okay. Uh, put him with the right guy, put him on the third pairing with the right guy. Like, I don't know if Chris Russell's still there or whoever it is, Caleb Jones. We're going to see some nice plays out of Evan Bouchard and uh, can't wait. As for the Craig Button thing, I have all day for Craig Button. Uh, I I, I like him. I think he's he's an entertaining guy. I think he, you know, he's provocative Uh, and, and, and he's he's not provocative in a miserable way like some of them are, uh, but he um, uh, I suspect the weak link there is his last impression is the one that overrides and it may well be that his last impression of Evan Bouchard is from the World Junior. Yeah, you know, I mean he's last, been down in the yeah. minor leagues, where I mean for all the hockey Craig Button watches, I would bet ninety nine percent of it is either NHL or draft eligible underage stuff. That's and, his bread and butter. No, yeah. it's the Griffin Reinhardt thing, right? It's great. You, you know, you remember him for what you saw a year ago, but you don't know what he's done since. And so I'm not sure he's seen uh, that. And so anyways, uh, Craig Button aside, I had that same thought tonight that, you know, usually you think, well, if the guy is this good in the AHL, he's going to be this good in the NHL. But if you're talking about a player who's, whose skill is to play with other uh, especially attacking players. I mean, the idea of, of Evan Bouchard playing with um, uh, McDavid or Drysaddle is way more exciting than the thought of him playing with Brad Malone. Just a simple state of affairs. So, yeah. you know, I think, you know, the, the, the chances of, of that those offensive instincts clicking and producing real goals is actually going to improve at the NHL level then, then what he like his 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 offensive stats are going to be higher than his NHL equivalent suggests they're going to be. Uh, again, the big question is that defense, because the NHL forwards on the other team will burn a guy who's uh, you know who's got uh, any any um, soft edges to his defensive game. But I see improvement in that area. So I think his gaps are are better, and and uh, you know he wasn't like. Um, like he he used to bug me a little bit by he looked a little bit sort of lethargic or, or um, what's the what's the word just like Curtis Foster too, too calm you know like like uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah anyway anyway uh, and 
I didn't pick that out of tonight's game. I did think he had lethargic, a lethargic, yeah, third period than the first two, but uh, he uh, uh, overall impressed with uh, way more good plays than bad. Yeah. Okay. My other um, what am I? Oh, my second good thing is Matt Benning. So the owners have made a really wise move in sending him down. It's a great week to do it. They got four games this week in Bakersfield. We saw what happened with Andre Secker. He had missed half the year in 2017-18, and the Oilers put him back in the lineup, and he was just terrible. He was like one of the right worst away. players in the NHL. Um, they put him back in the lineup without any time in Bakersfield. Now, I don't know if the five games in Bakersfield would have made a difference for him, but they sure did the next year when they sent him to Bakersfield, and he and he got his feet under him, and he came to Edmonton, played third pairing, and he was really good. And now he's been really good in Dallas, uh, to give Andre Secker a credit. I still think the buyout in the end, I think it's de- a defensible move because they had to make room for 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 a young defenseman at Edmonton. They just had to. You just you can't keep the same old guys on the team. You got to have movement on the team. They had these guys, Baron Jones, ready to come up. So I I support that move because I don't think they could have traded Russell. Or, and um, I think Secker was the right one to move in the end. And it was a tough pill in some ways. But um, Matt Benning, um, he's been sent down after uh, two concussions in a row. He missed two weeks in, min- in at the end of November, came back one game and, and got knocked out again. This is obviously really yeah. serious. But Bruce, he looked like he, uh, he looked really good. He, and he was throwing some nasty hits, making oh, good plays. Yeah. He looked like he had not... Um, he didn't look like a player feeling his way out in the game. He looked like a player ready to come down and kick butt, and that's exactly what he did that game. Um, it's good. It's 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 great how much competition finally in depth. Competition in depth. The Oilers have on their blue line, and I don't know if it's going to impact their negotiations with Nurse or not. But um, they've got options there, Bruce, and certainly in terms of you know what are they going to do with Russell? What are they going to do with Larson? Um, obviously they're keeping Oscar Clefbaum, but, um, all kinds of options because you have these players like Bouchard and, uh, Benning and, mm-hmm. uh, Caleb Jones and William Loggison and, and Joel Parson. Parson didn't play tonight, eh? Um, all, um, I think he is hurt. All of them vying for a spot next year. And a lot of them with, again, like you have Jones and Bear and then now you've got Bouchard coming on and Sam Marukov. He's, he's a couple, he's Sam Marukov's more on the Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear. It's going to take a while path, yeah. but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see where they all fit in. So, but Matt Benning, he's right in the mix. He's uh, he, his, his only disadvantage, Bruce is his, he gets more money. He will get more money than the other young guys. Like compared to Jones, if they're looking to save some money, salary wise uh bennings you know if they just qualify him he's probably what 2.1 million if they qualify him next year so um that's jones is only at 850,000 bouchard's cap hit will be 1.6 million with bonuses so um they have uh Logason would be same as he'd be like the league minimum um, if if they keep him around, Parison would be around a million dollars. So that's the downside for Benning in, in terms of this competition. So we'll see what happens. Um, but he he's he had a strong game. He's going to get a, a number of more games, and we'll see him back in Edmonton soon. His NHL quality just dripped through right from the very beginning. You could see you know, this is a accomplished player that's above his level. Uh, his you know he he was his composure. 
his uh, breakout passes. And, I mean, that's an area that's not necessarily a strength for him in the NHL. Like, he has some good, some bad. Tonight, the passes were all on the tape. He seemed to have that extra, find that extra half second to pick out his target and, and, and make a good pass. He landed one absolutely ferocious check just decked a guy coming through the, the trolley tracks. And uh, and he took a couple of shots. One guy high-sticked him in the side of the head, and I'm going, man, oh, man, this guy's just a, he's just a headshot magnet. And then at the end of the game, he wound up down and dirty on the ice, scrumming it up with a couple of guys. No penalties. He, you know, he, he kept his, uh, uh, but he, he was given as good as he took, but again, his helmet was off. And you're seeing that, and you're going, not in the AHL, please. But, uh he seemed to come out of that intact, and uh, you know that's the way he's got to play. Like he's a, he's a, um, you know he can't he can't be a shrinking violet and succeed. You no. know he's got to play with edge, and when he does play with edge, in, in my observation, is when he's at his best. Alrighty, Bruce. Let's go towards the bad things. What are your? Why don't you just list off your two bad things? You can do okay. both well, together. My one bad thing from tonight's game was the, uh, well, it's kind of a combined thing, the lack of composure shown by some of the uh, Bakersfield's uh, players, especially the veterans, uh, combined with an abysmal game on special teams where all of the goals were scored on the power play by Ontario, while Bakersfield's own power play had no answers at all. And uh, But it was the loss of composure by veteran guys that you expect to be leaders uh brandon manning got himself kicked out of this game six minutes into the second period he had a he had an altercation with imama uh, a big um winger for ontario that was laying on the body and digging the stick in a few times i noticed with various players and he was clearly kind of a edgy almost instigator type of player anyway whatever happened he and manning had an altercation. They each got a two-minute penalty, and at the same time, Brandon Miscon- uh, Manning got a game misconduct, straight game misconduct. And they listed up uh, on the game sheet. It said it was Rule 75.5.2 in the AHL rule book, uh, which is a real bad one uh, because it's an automatic two-game suspension in addition to the game misconduct. And the referee just ran on the ice out. So who knows what he did or said, um, but um, the referee shall report the circumstance to the president of the league for further disciplinary action. Any player assessed a game misconduct under this section shall automatically be suspended for the next two regularly scheduled games of his team. So there may be more to be heard uh, from that, but whatever he got the he got the heave ho. So that was so. The order uh, the Condors did dress seven D, so they were able to move then Logan Day back to. Uh, D after he started the game at wing, but it messed up their forward lines. And then Brad Malone, uh, he was in the box for two of the three goals. He took a dumb tripping penalty when he was down on the ice in the center center ice zone, nothing play, and he swept his stick at a guy and he took the skates out from under him just after they, they'd scored on their first goal on the power play, and they scored again right away. And that was it, 2 nothing. It stayed 2 nothing until almost the very end of the game. So that was just a dumb penalty. But at the end of the game, he um, uh, they were down a man, killing a penalty, and he took a big run at a guy. It was an obvious penalty. The ref had no choice but to put him two men down. 
And then he overreacted further and took a second minor and a misconduct for continuing the altercation. And so he wasn't actually in the box. He was in the dressing room by the time they scored that third goal. But it just basically took his team out of whatever whatever dwindling chance they had, went to zero with that one one move. And it just, just was a loss of discipline. Like there was just no no sensible reason for him to play that play the way they did, other than he wanted to nail somebody. My yeah. uh, bad things, Bruce, are more general things about the team. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason they're not, the big reason they're not competing like they did last year, there's a couple, there's two big reasons, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it has to do with changing personnel. And um, one of them is in net, where Shane Starrett was such a rock last year, and this year he's been hurt. And Stuart Skinner has struggled. He struggled in this game. The, the first goal against, I thought, was an outside shot. And you'd hope your goalie would have that one. He's a, he's He shows signs. Some, sometimes Stuart Skinner looks like a, a goalie of the future, and other times he looks like it's not going to happen. He's, he's just 20 or 21, so it's too early to tell. But they really, really miss a veteran goalie. It's the number one reason this team isn't winning this year as compared to last year. The other reason is, um, this is my second bad thing, is they really miss Ryan Stanton, Caleb Jones, and Ethan Bear. Now, it's good news that Bear and Jones were promoted. It's bad news that they lost the veteran presence though, of Stanton, who was playing for the other team tonight. He was, I thought, their their most settled uh, defensive defenseman last year. He was ma- constantly making good plays with the puck. He's just a good hockey player, Ryan Stanton. Like I, mm-hmm. I think he could play in the NHL um, at least he as a seventh play. seventh D. He's not a he's a good hockey player. He's and at the HL, he's he's an excellent hockey player. Mm-hmm. Keegan Lowe isn't. Like uh, he got the Keegan Keegan Lowe had the two year contract. And I know, like he's the, I think he's the captain. He's a veteran presence on the team. He's not the player that Ryan Stanton is. He struggles. Like if he, honestly, he's he's a he's, a, he's a, just an okay AHL hockey player. And um, he's a heart and soul guy. Eh? I get, yeah, fair enough. But he, he, but he's not a good passer. And, you know, <laughs> no, he's not. Well, yeah, he's sloppy not. passes coming yeah. from his side of the ice. And they really miss. So they they've they've lost two really good passers at this level. <clears throat> and and then their best all-around defenseman was Stanton, this veteran guy who made a huge difference on the team last year. And and uh, so that's uh, that that's more of a personnel decision that was made within the organization. So um, that's how it's breaking down. Did you have another bad thing or are we... Well, I was going to talk a little bit about the goaltending and maybe I'll flush out what you said a little bit. But okay. the, between the three guys, I mean, the Shane Starrett injury has really messed up the entire plan. He's the number organizational number three. He was good, definitely the number one man in Bakersfield last year. He had a brilliant season. And <clears throat> this year he got a groin injury early and he keeps coming back and then he keeps re-injuring it and he just has never gotten mm-hmm. in a role. He's only played... Uh, 10 games all season. Uh, he's got an 881 save percentage. And the two young guys that are uh, trying to, uh, you know, getting way more work uh, in his absence, especially Stuart Skinner, uh, 27 games played, but he's he's uh, rocking an 890 save percentage. And Dylan Wells in, in less action, 878. Well, anytime you have a, a save percentage that starts with eight, it's bad news. And when you have three goalies and they all have that save percentage, it's uh, 
No wonder that's just that killing you. They've got 16 wins and 23 losses. You know, it's, it's yeah, that I've, is. I've seen us. highlights of games, and certainly heard reports of games where it sounded like Bakersfield were the better team, but the other team had the better goalie. And that tonight, that tonight. Too, it was a tr- it was true to a degree. I mean, yeah. Skinner made a lot of good saves at even strength. He got a lot of help from his posts. There was three clean goal posts. But as you say, he was beaten short side. Uh, a great shot by Martin Furk. And he was, uh, I thought the second goal kind of went right through him because he couldn't seal off the bottom of the net. And really, that was it. You know, he made saves later to keep his team in the game while they were down 2 nothing, and they stayed down 2 nothing. So you could argue whether they were in the game or not. But it was uh, the the, uh, the fellow at the other end, Peterson, he had a terrific game. And, and uh, that was, a, you know, a big part of tonight's story for sure. Yeah. Two, there are two teams out there after all. I don't know what they can do. Should they bring in another veteran goalie to, to help this team win, uh, make the playoffs? Because making the playoffs is a good developmental thing. It's a good boost for everybody. I, I would do it. Like, I think they should bring in an AHL goalie to, um, if Starrett's not good to go, just bring in an AHL goalie. And because um, this isn't working. So uh, that's, I, I hope they do that. I, they should have done it a month ago. A win tonight would have put them into fourth place in the Pacific. So they're and, within know, they're close. fighting I mean, distance, so was, give them a chance. Ontario was two ahead of them, uh, with Bakersfield having two in hand, now they're four ahead of them, you know, and it's just that steeper hill. It's already the eighth game between Bakersfield and Ontario. It's like, it's rather than being part of the AHL, it's like it's their own league where they play almost all their own games, games against each other out there in California. Find some team that needs a defenseman. Like, they've got a surplus of defensemen down there. Find some team that needs a defenseman. Trade them, like, Logan Day or Kulovich or Jake Kulovich. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Uh, but that cap hit. Yeah, just, they, they could figure out a trade. So, yeah. hopefully that's what's going to happen. All right, Bruce, let's leave it there. I, I will, uh, we'll leave it there, and uh, maybe we'll watch another Bakersfield game and do this again later this week. Thanks right. for talking. Yeah, sounds good, David. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.